He's almost 80 now, but he's got a mind like a calculator, Dwayne tells Edgar, en route to the Bellwether Snacks headquarters. And he still works, too. Two days a week, like clockwork. You can count on it. He stuck his head into Edgar's office and said he was cruising over to corporate, suggested this ride-along. It was intended as a rapport-building exercise, most likely, between the two of them, but is also Edgar's first opportunity for meeting certain key management, if not ownership, figures. So they hopped into the president's spacious, silver-colored truck and now have just about reached their destination. Though Dwayne projects a brooding aura, Edgar is beginning to see that his boss is, for the most part, a really nice guy. Sure, nobody you would want to mess with, Edgar thinks it goes without saying. But yeah, the boss's baseline is probably much friendlier than most would suppose. He has a ton of experience, too, having broken into this business as a meat cutter decades ago and slowly working his way up through the ranks via numerous different companies. And he still has a soft spot for the meat department, it seems to Edgar. If earmarking a product line he wants to introduce, thus far it's almost always something from this category that Dwayne is bringing him. In fact, though Dwayne doesn't remember this, he was hanging out behind the meat counter at Palmyra, along with Arnie for some reason, on the night that Edgar met him. Edgar, of course, had no clue who these guys were yet, nor of their standing within this company. He was just in town for the holidays, thinking about moving down to this state, and noticed this establishment, physically near his parents' house, but right up his own experiential alley. Edgar has logged more than a decade in the grocery industry, and before that had worked at a couple of banks, as well as the accounting department at a factory, and briefly handled the books for a family-owned pet store. His former girlfriend's family, to be precise. But he feels drawn to the grocery world most of all, a far more interesting, vibrant environment than any of those others. So he and his dad swung through, well after dark on some random December night, and scoped out the Palmyra HHM, had briefly spoken to Dwayne and Arnie both as they stood chatting behind the meat counter. Soon enough, Edgar was indeed moving here, and turning in an application at this delightfully weird establishment. When he found out who those two were, and their respective positions, he was even more impressed that they were still on hand at, what, after 7 o'clock on that distant winter's eve. Regarding this current odyssey, the Bellwether Snacks HQ is located a peanut's throw from the state line, visible from the interstate, and just off exit 1. As they temporarily lose sight of the place, having just hit the off-ramp, Dwayne moves on from explaining who Waterlock is to telling him about the Healthy Hippie Truck, a relatively recent addition to their arsenal. Its primary purpose is for Arnie to be outscoring produce from local vendors before daylight, although they also use it for moving product between stores. We bought it for $500, but then spent about twenty grand rebuilding the engine, Dwayne explains with a grin. Well, that and getting our logos plastered all over it. A large, boxy, two-story brick affair... The first floor of this massive building is mostly eaten up by the warehouse operation in back and a couple of meeting rooms up front. However, one corner, accessible from the parking lot, is dedicated to the Nutty Zone, a charming little retail operation. Heavy on the 1970s-looking decor, and similar to their Liberty store in that respect, the Nutty Zone could almost count as their fourth HHM location, albeit one which focuses only on bulk products or packaged variations thereof. After drifting through and briefly checking out the place, being introduced to Penny, the woman who basically runs this shop and seems to be the only employee today, they continue through it into the hallway beyond. 
All offices are located above, on the second floor, and after using Dwayne's magnetic keycard to enter, he leads the way up the stairs. Walter has a relatively small office, just to the right of where this stairwell emerges. He's at his desk, but talking on the phone, and only returns their waves as they stick their head in and keep on moving. Edgar observes some black and white photos hanging on the outside wall, a couple of which appear to feature a much younger Walter, and as they continue walking, Dwayne fills him in on a little more corporate history, that they have similar warehouses and production centers in Memphis, Atlanta, Columbus, and elsewhere, though this is the main one. The setup here is similar to many corporate offices, and, well, yes, office space. The standard arrangement of a large, cubicle-divided floor in the middle, surrounded by actual offices tucked into the edges, typically reserved for those ranking a little higher, nearly all of them sporting windows. So it is that their next stops consist of three consecutive rooms along the adjacent wall where Walter's two daughters and one son-in-law hold down desks. The daughters are mostly only involved with the bellwether aspects of this operation, while the son-in-law, Rob Drake, is for all intents the liaison, the one dealing with HHM, if any dealing is to be done. Though attired in the ubiquitous business casual attire, a long-sleeved dress shirt, yes, but khaki pants and loafers, and clean-cut otherwise, Rob's gray and white hair is left a little shaggier than one would expect, as maybe the last vestige of his own slightly counter-cultural past. It's hard to glean much from one brief introduction, but he does come across as a friendly enough guy, probably a little on the conservative side. Whatever the case, he is the guy signing their paychecks every week, so it surely can't hurt Edgar to haul himself into this headquarters and shake the man's hand. Speaking of handshakes, as this tour continues next over to the HR lady's office, Dwayne is explaining a handshake deal he recently reached with Mr. Locke. Walter has told him he has complete discretion for opening up future Healthy Hippie locations. If Dwayne thinks it's a good idea, then he will sign off on the project. And as soon as they straighten out some kinks at Palmyra and Southside to make those stores more profitable, Dwayne fully intends to expand. But as far as the smaller details are concerned, Pricing and other negotiations on the actual products, yeah, Rob is their man. Dropping off some packet of documents to the HR lady is the prevailing cover story behind this trip. Introduced to him as Doris, she's the textbook, somewhat harried, somewhat grouchy-seeming old woman in gold-rimmed glasses and a button-up sweater, like the town librarian, barely visible behind the mountains of paperwork stacked around her desk. As these two talk in cryptic messages about what they're going to do, Regarding the unnamed employee in question, related to this document packet, Edgar stands off to the side, smiling and hoping this conversation will be over soon. It's awkward, though in the meantime, he entertains himself trying to guess, based on almost no evidence, who this is, the person about to get either disciplined or fired. Surely it relates to this purported Palmyra cleanup, but the individual remains a mystery. He is next introduced to Carmen, their controller, followed by an exceptionally brief sojourn to the belly of this beast, the cubicles. Healthy Hippie Market's very structure is just about as outrageous as everything else involving the place, and as it turns out, they have exactly one employee on payroll at this building, and she works in accounts payable. Her name is Kathy Ames, an extremely cheerful and talkative person he's spoken to on the phone exactly once, only meeting now for the first time. This is the woman he's kicking the invoices up to every week, dispatching on their corporate box truck after he's finished going through them. 
And, while it's great to finally put a face to the name and the voice, he and Duane are basically peeling themselves away from her machine gun fire of chattiness. Edgar wouldn't really say this was the most compelling tour ever, but an extremely important one nonetheless, if only to fix some furniture in his mind, and also to reciprocate, get his face and basic Cliff Notes personality points out to them. On their way back down, they take the rear stairwell into the warehouse and load up on about a dozen cases of overruns. Dwayne's explaining to him that, by law, they can't hold over the output from one production run and combine it with the next. If no one orders it, and they don't need the product in the nutty zone, then they box it up and HHM gets the stuff for free. So this is surely helping out their bottom line at least a little bit. And who knows, it may explain some of the candy that Pierre is always blowing a gasket over.